Gigi Alcock has got a huge reputation. More and more people are getting hold of me to say, how do we get hold of this white Zulu boy who uh, knows all about what's going on in the township economy and is, seems to be the only person who actually has a grip on what's really happening in South African economies? And, uh, well, I know many of those uh, people who do meet Gigi uh, have become fans like me. We're going to, he's going to be talking at the Biz News Conference in March next year as one of our keynote speakers. And today we're going to be meeting one of the entrepreneurs who Gigi wants the world to know more about. Uh, Susie Mafalala uh, has got a company called Susie's Way and Pay. It's very innovative. But before we go there, before we even start, 150 years ago in Omaha, Warren Buffett's let's just call it ancestor because I don't know how many greats are in it, uh, was a guy called Sydney who arrived in Omaha and um, started a grocery store. And when I was at a recent Berkshire Hathaway AGM, I bought this book which was on sale there. Warren likes to support his – there we go. You can see it. He likes to support his family. And um, this is a, a book about that store, the Buffett store. So the whole Buffett family came from this fellow, Sydney. Uh, oh, by the way, there's uh, – it's just to show there's Warren and Charlie Munger's uh, signature there, as well as Bill Buffett, who was the writer of this book. But I found this fascinating because grocery store uh, operations have been always a situation of the entrepreneur buying wholesale, selling retail. In other words, buying in bulk and then selling at a lower price to people who can't afford or don't want to buy in bulk. But Zuzi has taken it to a new level where, according to what I've read, you can even just buy a spoon of sugar. Now, with Buffett, I've just got to give you these numbers. His store in 1869 used to sell jackrabbits for 10 cents each, eggs for 10 cents a dozen, butter at 15 cents a pound, and prairie chickens, which uh, apparently were as plentiful as um, all other wildlife and like the chickens we buy today, and 25 cents for two. So we've come a long way since then, even in America with their relatively low inflation. But even there, he, wasn't, he was selling for a pound, a pound of butter, not a um, less than that, which in a South African context makes, well, the, the lower down you go, the more complicated it must be. Gigi, I'm sure that's part of the reason why uh, Zuzi came across your radar. Yeah, thanks, Alex. So I think the big mistake a lot of people make is kind of they think of the spaza sector or the super, well, I guess they look at the formal supermarket sector, the likes of ShopRite, Pick and Pay and so on, and kind of go, well, you know, that's where the action is. And uh, over the last few years, I mean, I've kind of predicted this a while ago, saying that the spaza and what I call a spazaret, which is a supermarket type outlet, are going to give the formal retail a bit of a run for their money. And recent work by both Nielsen and Trade Intelligence, who are experts in this kind of space, a recent report showed that the Spaza sector is now 187 billion rand a year sector. It's growing at uh, 23% plus, where the formal retail sector is growing at 14%. And we're seeing a fundamental shift happening where people are starting to shop closer to home and walking distance from their, um, 
from their home. Uh, they the the average spaza or spazarette is either packaged suitably to people's kind of daily or weekly grocery, but also you know it's in walking distance. You don't have to carry ten kgs of flour or rice or whatever from a supermarket. So there's been a substantial shift, and and in fact. In that research that I mentioned, they said that um, that the the, the spaza, um, depending how you define it, is um, now becoming the one-stop grocery shop for people uh, within the township environment. So there's been this fundamental shift that's happened, um, and then even in the fast food sector, what I call gassy course. I mean, that's a ninety billion rand a year sector. There's been a real acceleration in that space, primarily due to things like load shedding, uh, where people, instead of cooking at home, will go out to like Zuzi's shop, which I'll tell you about. Um, or they will, you know, and the other thing is that there's this proliferation of single home uh, units, so back rooms as we call them, or amar room, with single households and a very limited kitchen space. So they would rather go out and buy at a fast food outlet. So Across both fast food or prepared food and and dry FMCG goods, we're just seeing this real revolution happening and acceleration of that importance of that space. And and Zuzi, you know, she'll tell you the story, but had this really extraordinary kind of insight into consumers and then developed her Zuzi way and pay concept, which I also think is hugely scalable. I mean, it's just one of those concepts that one can really take forward uh, and um and she's targeted what's called Mampara Week to a large extent. Mampara Week is kind of when your um, month is longer than your uh, budget. And that last week of the month when you're kind of short on cash flow. Uh, but yeah, I guess over to, to Zuzi. That's fantastic. Mampara Week. <laughs> <laughs> it's so descriptive yeah. in South only in Only South Africans would understand that. Zuzi, but you're a, you're a social, on, oh, sorry, a serial entrepreneur. Uh, so it's not the first time that you have gone into entrepreneurship. I love the concept, and we're going to talk about it in a moment. But what drew you into wanting to make your own business and create your own future? Uh, hi, Alex. So I would tell a story of growing up. Um, I come from a family where I had a mom and a dad. My mom was a nurse, but uh, my dad was a truck driver, and he tr- drove long distance. And I always say the only time I got to spend time with my father was when he didn't have employment because he would sell cold drinks. We used to have this huge deep freezer, used to sell beers and cold drinks. And he, that, that love for being at home, but being available for someone when they come and buy and taking the money and changing it and giving them back and seeing what back then was our till, but it was a huge bowl, a growing. You know, when somebody buys, it was five rand and now it's 10 rand. So uh, to me, then that make the love for business to grow because I saw uh, business uh, unites family. I don't see my mother. She's working night shift or, you know, uh, long hours. But my dad is here and we having a relationship. So my love for business grew from there. And from a young age, I would say from tertiary, I was identified as an entrepreneur by the school. I was given a budget to host the first entrepreneur um, workshop for EWC, what is called EWC Katsura's uh, Campus today. So it comes from a young age of growing from a parent who's an entrepreneur, and here I am today. 
Isn't that interesting? Warren Buffett himself, who uh, is well-known all over the world for being sensible and a good investor, when he was pre-teen, his favorite toy that he was given for Christmas one day was uh, a coin-collecting system. If you remember, in the the olden days, when there were still coins were worth much, uh, the people on trains and buses would have these coin collections where they would click them and and change would come out. And he had that, maybe like you, uh, although your your giving change was a, was a little different. So so go, fast forward from there to your first business, your own first business. Ooh, to be honest, I don't even remember it was my first business. You know, I was telling my daughter that during tertiary, and then my dad passed away when I was in tertiary first year. And uh, we were using trains from Gatlerong to Joburg. And I, obviously, my uh, cash or budget for school decreased because he had passed away. And there was a friend of mine uh, who used to stay in my street. The family still stays there. Gege Mabuya. We used to, we, we bundled money together. And we used to go to, there was a butcher called CBC or C2C, I can't remember, in Jimston. We used to buy burgers and make sandwiches. We used to wake up at four in the morning and sell sandwiches in the train to school, to vets. And um, by the time we get off, we have sold out. And in between that, I sold makeup. Um, the the entrepreneurship uh, journey that I talked about back in school, the school gave me a budget. I remember I went to Selby for the first time in Joburg, found uh, factories there where you could buy printers. So I learned how to print a T-shirt, and I was 17 at that time. And I used to make cards, deco cards, buy, you know, those frozen um, pressed flowers, bees, and leaves, and make um, invitation cards for weddings. And so I can't really say which was my one first, but it's always been there. But the first, first, first in um, brick and mortar, maybe put it that way, was a restaurant that I owned as a big uh, place, Pusa place there in Spreadview. I used to have a restaurant downstairs there. And that restaurant opened uh, from Thursday until Monday. So that was officially, I think that's 2013, 2012. Back then. Why, why did you move on from there? Uh, I kind of did never moved uh, on, but it kind of, you know, when one opportunity door closes, you go to another. And in between, I've also been a corporate person. So I had a corporate job, but in between, I was fully, fully. So my, I always on my CV, on my LinkedIn or whatever, you will see my experience of, of entrepreneurship is 20 years and my corporate is 15 years. So I've always, always been there and it's always been the, the, the stronger love um, in there. How does somebody who's entrepreneurial feel about working in a corporate it's it's challenging it's challenging and it's 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 also love of what you are doing so i'm a more sales person marketing i'm a more face to face person so most of my corporate uh, ventures were always face to face interactions with clients i'll go to meetings presentations my last corporate job um, i was actually working for a company in denmark and i was based here in south africa so i didn't have an office i was working from home i'll go face to face and and pitch that gave me the freedom to be an entrepreneur so i choose jobs that align with my entrepreneurial journey just to explain it like that 
or for another example, I was working for a company in Midrand, uh, which was a wholesale distributor for laptops. And guess what I was doing? I was selling laptops on my side gig. So it's always, yeah. And I guess why, uh, why and why? Uh, way and pay came from a pain, painful side, but I'm loving it now. And uh, it's taught me that sometimes we view things from one angle. I thought it came from my poverty that came from uh, um, COVID. You know, after COVID, I lost everything. The structure that I'm operating, actually, the way and pay used to be an internet cafe. I used to have an internet cafe there. Uh, in three days, um, when Cyril Ramaphosa announced lockdown on the 27th of March, I lost an internet cafe. I lost uh, an internet service provider business. I lost uh, an importing business. I was importing from China. I was selling clothes on Instagram. I lost everything in three days. It all go shoom, gone, you know. And uh, the way in paid. That's why I'm saying when I it came into the space in my in my vision or how to get myself out was that limitation of what now I'm facing. So I, wait, I went from having a salary to having this income coming to having my only income being Sasa grants, you know, for two kids. It, back then, I think it was 740. And from that 740, I still needed to have internet. I still needed to, to buy food for the kids, sustain them, although it was lockdown. But I knew I need to put something away. And it was so hard. And that's where the idea started. Okay, then I phoned my niece. Can we just share um, a bag of maize meal? Why do I need to buy a bag of maize milk that sits in the cupboard where I need the money? Can we just buy one and share it? And then we both have money. Half from that. And that's where the way and pay actually started from conserving what I didn't have. And that's why I keep saying we keep seeing it as poverty. But if you go to your retail space and you want to buy an onion, what do they do? They wait for you. When you go to a butcher, what do they do? They wait for you. So it's not a foreign concept. Okay. Yeah. So um, just to, sorry, Alec, just to explain it fully. So the weigh and pay is a grocery store that allows you to weigh everything from a minimum of five rand. So the only um, exception we make is for sugar. So sugar, you can weigh from a minimum of three rand. So this means you can walk into our shop, get maize meal for five rand, get sugar for five rand, get Sam for five rand, get washing powder for form five rent, everything form five rent. So this puts the power back to you as to how much you have at that moment. And like um, Gigi had said as well, um, one, Mambara week, maybe things are really limited now. And two, in the township, space is limited. I'm in a back room. I'm not going to buy 10 kg maize meal, 10 kg rice. Where am I going to put all these things? Some of these back rooms don't even have cupboard space, you know. So you just need to fill the container that you are storing in. So it, then it, the, the topic becomes vast. It's all about sustainability, food waste. It goes beyond and beyond, you know. When we look at uh, students at Rez, they, they, they're running low. They're waiting for NASFAS or for parents. How do they sustain themselves? Instead of just eating noodles, they can then go and weigh what they need, you know. So it's, it's about the now and then using money wisely. For something else better. And where do you buy from? Because I guess that's the whole thing. If you are selling three rands worth of sugar, uh, you don't really want to be buying retail yourself. I, I would like to also explain that from the scratch. You know, when I started the shop, 
I had 2,000 rands that I had saved up in a, a, a friend of mine in Tlantla Khatebe, who actually at that time came to want to buy my shop because I, I was advertising it at first while I was trying to save what was non-existent. And she actually came and looked at the shop because she's got a string of internet cafes. It's like, no, you've got a great space. Can I help you open it again? I was like, I don't want to do internet uh, um, cafe again. I was so hurt. My printer was repossessed, you know, that whole COVID thing. And I told him I have this idea. And he said, no, I'll help you. How much do you need? I said, no, I just need to start small. So if I can put together 2,000 rand, I'll be good. So, and I'm happy I only had that limited money. Why? I'll tell you. I went to to buy one cages, two cages. The only thing big I had at that time was maize meal. And lucky for me, when I opened the doors, I had only had canisters, you know, a shop with just small canisters. And the customers engaged with me. They told me, okay, no, we don't like this. Oh, you don't have those peanuts. You don't have water. So I started writing down what they wanted me to bring in. And then I remember maize rice didn't sell. I actually had to take it and go cook it at home. So imagine now if I had 20,000 rand instead of 2,000 rand, I would have stocked things that the clients didn't require. Yeah. So um, to answer then your question about where do I buy, so also another short story. <laughs> when I I started, I had to, okay, the first order goes with 2,000 and I see now it's not going to be sustainable. The numbers are going to go slow because I'm buying from the wrong channel. Okay, who's my channel? The wholesalers, the millers, the people who actually do the product. I call them. They say, no, we don't sell to spaza shops. I say, I'm not a spaza shop. I'm going to buy bulk one day <laughs> because obviously I still can't afford the numbers they are doing. And I remember I, I got, I, I'll mention his name, Gert. I don't know his surname, but he's the, the, the senior sales manager at the Millers, one, one of the Millers that I buy from. And he said, okay, I'll give you a, a, a chance. I'll give you a cash account, no terms, nothing. And you, we won't deliver. This is out in the bundus that I have to drive to. We won't deliver. These are the prices. The prices look so good. But the kilometers one way is like 65Ks just to go there. But I said, I'm taking a chance on myself. And I went. I came with the bag so full. I was driving, uh, driving a Polo uh, Vivo at that time. I remember the, the car was facing up at the back. It was, you know, and I drove it. And I came back. And Maze Meal became my fastest uh, selling product from the day. Because I had it. And then I dropped the price. Because now I'm now getting it in bulk. And um, the, the nice experience with that, you know, when you get to the millers, you go in with your car, they weigh the car, they weigh you inside the car. And in front is an 18-wheeler, I don't know, truck. Britain Garant Beef at the back is another 18-wheeler written spark. And I'm in the middle with a small car. And I knew I am going somewhere. If I'm here, where I'm, you know, I'm buying with these guys, I knew I'm on it. And that's the, the beauty of it. Today they deliver uh, to me and I'm making numbers that they want. I'm hitting the numbers. Remember, they deliver if you hit it, hit certain numbers, target. So I'm there, and I'm happy about it. So, yeah, that's where I buy, <laughs> to answer your question. So the next step, and we've had a number of these conversations, Chi-Chi, where we've heard inspiring stories like Zuzi's, fantastic business ideas, but the scalability is what's missing because you need capital to scale. So where does Zuzi go from here? How does she get from the number of stores that she has now to being a competitor to ShopRite? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the, that is obviously the big um, the big question and the big uh, limitation. And and I guess in many ways this is the biggest problem that faces this kind of, if you want to call it, Gaussian economy or, or informal economy, is the ability to scale. Because I talk a lot about you know the opportunity is not in starting up businesses. People talk about let's create jobs, let's help businesses start up. Businesses, we don't need to start businesses. Really hard. We all know how hard it is to start a business from scratch. But there's a huge number of these kind of businesses that just need scale-up. And I think the real opportunity about transforming our economy and transforming business like this is that how do they scale? Not only in terms of growing their specific store like Zuzi is, but how do they grow, you know, kind of a franchise, as it were, or more stores or, and, and so on. And that requires some form of finance, support, better supplier relationships with the people like Zuzi is talking about. Um, Zuzi um, wa- was uh, one of the finalists in an Amstel Entrepreneur Program. And part of the prize was a marketing uh, campaign and a mentor from a top kind of uh, entrepreneur. And and I think Zuzi will confirm it. It was, it was quite transformative. So, I mean, one of the things that Zuzi was able to do was have a marketing campaign, was develop a whole new logo and look and feel for a business. So instead of like a little painted thing on the Spaza, suddenly it was like Zuzi's way and pay, a great logo and stuff like this, and, and learned the fundamentals of marketing that business. So, I mean, those are the kind of initiatives that, and, and we saw real benefits from that. So, I mean, I don't have a definitive answer, but I just think that, I mean, Zuzi will tell you she's, also going into, she's now got a quarter outlet, a fast food outlet. She's also a member of a Stockfell that's raising hundreds of thousands of, of rand to invest in property in the townships. So, so in essence, what happens with people like Zuzi is, is outside of the opportunities to grow, to get better supplier relationships, finance the business and stuff, they end up trying to mobilize their own business. And, um, you know, this is this is kind of in a sense where, I think there's two sides to this coin. One is there's massive opportunities for people like Zuzi to scale. At the other side of the thing, it's such an opportunity for, I guess, the corporate world to also say, how do we grow the sector and, and where are those opportunities? But but maybe, Zuzi, you can comment on that. Um, I, I would love to. And uh, before I get to the part of the Amstel, I want to go back to how scaling to us in the township model happens almost every day. We need to scale and to us it's, it's pivoting in another way you know um just moving from one product because there's an issue with it to another and things like that and i, I was fortunate as well to 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 get a, a mentor another mentor before i got to the amstel who who, who is a, a retired chartered accountant uh, neil davis the first thing he said to me you are a hustler you need to corporatize you know <laughs> and he he helped me put things into into place. The same failures that I faced because of the COVID. You know, when COVID hit, I was not compliant. I didn't have anything into order. He taught me those structures, so I put that into place. And when we 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 got the lifeline that we needed from Amstel, we were ready. So opportunity found us ready internally, but outside we were not looking and representing what we were about so our shop was dark and gloomy nobody knew what we were doing in there most of the time we stood outside of the shop instead of inside just to so somebody passes there we sell sugar you know we sell this so being found by Amstel competition and Gigi was uh, you know like 
a changing of us. There was a shift. And it came as a shift in the mindset as well. Because now, firstly, we, we, we repainted the shop. It was bright and nice. We now had a huge Comadect um, uh, 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 name of uh, design with our name and logo. And what we do, we, 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 we now stood out. We were on radio. We had billboards, you know, passing street poles. We had everything. Better of all as well, I now got a second chance to have another mentor, um, Lebuham Sugar Smacks. And what I loved about Sugar Smacks is that he's also a serial entrepreneur. You know, sometimes it's hard when you're dealing with an entrepreneur who's only going to tell you, close your eyes, don't look on the side. It's inside, it's passion. I'm going to look on the side. So with, with Lebuham, he made me concentrate, focus. You know, he said, you can do this. But before you go outside, what can you do internally? And this came into a point that it helped us to see how strong we were as a business. Like Gigi said, we were then able to, this year in April, to open a second store right next door. Because now we focused and looked at our pains and our, you know, our growth uh, and, and our weaknesses, fixed those, looked what else can we provide internally that we can use externally. And then now, for example, on the quarter shop, if you go and buy maize meal, we've created our own um, ecosystem, if you, if you look at it. If you go and buy a plate, um, the maize meal cooked was bought from next door with a way and pay. If you go and buy, you know, the sugar, you're saying the sugar we sell it with a teaspoon. So if you, we sell coffee next door. So if you go and buy coffee, we actually sell you a cup, two sugars, a tea bag and milk for 10 rand. So it's our own ecosystem before the money leaves. And, and it's programs like that. We, know, we don't know it all, but we know our, our customers, our environment. So we need that kind of push to scale us out. With, with Uzuzi and Way and Pain, like um, Gigi is saying, we're ready. We're ready to go in any township. We've proven it. We've put a business model that's to use. But unfortunately, there is no assistance in terms of capital. That doesn't grow this but that scales us outside. Imagine Azuzi and Way and Pay in any township, actually in any mall, we, in any in townhouse, in Midrand, there's so many townhouses there. And they don't actually need to get in a car and drive to a shopping center. They can walk to a local shipping container standing there that weighs and pays what they need. Fantastic. Lovely story. Zuzi Mapalala and Gigi Alcock. I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com. <laughs>